In this episode, I talk about tennis, CrossFit, and following your passion with Adam Molda. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Millennial Momentum Podcast. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe. You can find me and on Twitter and Instagram at Tommy Tahoe if you want to get in touch. Uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining. Um, if you're an old-time listener, thank you for coming back. Uh, this, this show is all about millennial personal development, right? I think in order to get to the next level, you need uh, hard work, you need a great attitude, and you need a little momentum which is forward motion with energy, right? So that's this goal. The goal of the blog, the podcast, everything I do is to help be that forward momentum for you, for me, as we're all getting towards uh, you know, the next step in our journey. So um, today, let's just clear the air here. I'm in a hotel uh, in Seattle. I didn't have my microphone. I held myself to um, you know, wanting to get this podcast out today. So I'm going pretty much no mic. The audio of this intro is not great. It's not the same as the audio of the interview, so thanks for bearing with me. Um, either way, I'm really super excited to have this interview with Adam Molda. Um, just a few words on Adam. I mean, it's safe to say that I probably would not be the human that I am today without Adam Molda. I, um, when I was seven years old or eight years old, uh, you know, I was playing a lot of video games. My mom said, look, you're... You're either signing up for soccer camp or tennis camp. So I picked tennis. Next day, she brought me over to uh, you know Cedardale Health and Fitness over in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Shout out to them. And you know, I introduced me to Adam, and the rest was history. You know, he was my coach. Um, you know, from when I was seven or eight years old until I went off to college, and we've stayed in touch. And you know, Adam has you know a, a really interesting story from you know going to Merrimack College studying accounting, getting into investment banking, and then within a few years coming across that decision that, you know, a lot of the, my former guests have come across of, do I take the money in investment banking or whatever field, or do I follow my passion? And he tells a really great story here within the first uh, few minutes of, you know, on the exact same day he got an offer for an investment bank job and to be a tennis coach. And, you know, the rest is history. You know, he uh, later in his career ran the club of the year in New England. He was named the USTA New England Pro of the Year. Um, and recently, in 2016, was given the Joseph Dietz Award as uh, the tennis professional who has done the most for New England tennis, um, which is really inspiring. He also recently launched um, the Spark Fitness and Tennis Club in Andover, Massachusetts. So he went on his own after you know 20 plus years at being at a, at a particular tennis club to go on his own and launch this amazing uh, CrossFit gym, tennis club. They got a yoga studio, Pilates. They've got everything going on in there uh, in Andover, Mass. He gave me the full tour uh, of the gym. It's state of the art all the way through. So if you are in the area, definitely look them up. Uh, give them a shout out on social media. Check out the gym. Uh, there's so many benefits to CrossFit and functional fitness and the community aspect of that too. That's really been transformative. You know, I love it. A lot of people that I know out here in San Francisco, uh, you know, live and breathe the CrossFit functional fitness world. So 
Without further ado, I want to get into this conversation with my good friend, Adam Molda. Adam Molda, welcome to the show. Thank you, T. Uh, good to see you again. It's yeah. been a long time. Before today, I don't think I'd seen you since I was college. Not since I graduated, I don't think. No, right after college. Right after? Yeah, you were on one of our USTA teams. Okay. Men's yeah. and mixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before I moved west, so probably yeah, yeah. four years ago. Yeah. A lot's changed. Yes. Congrats on the new uh, on the new building here that we're in. Thank new you. Business. Thank you. Um, so I want to get into to what you're doing now and, and everything, but I want to just start by taking it back. So um, tell me about what it was like when you grew up. How was how was childhood? Let's <laughs> bring it way back. Way way back. Um, okay. So well, I grew up. I, I I had a I had a really good upbringing. Yeah. Um, basically, middle class. Household, mom and dad, uh, trying to working hard, trying to pay the bills, uh, trying to give us the, our, the best opportunity they could. Um, I have a brother, Chris. Um, you know, we grew up in York, Maine. Okay. You know, we were active boys. We played a lot of sports. Yeah. Uh, you know, any anything with the ball, we played. Yeah. You know, and so, and yeah, and then I, we had. That was good, and then went off to Merrimack College. Yeah, play played Mer- at tennis at Merrimack College for four years. Yeah. That's four years of my life, and then um, yeah, off to the real world. Okay, and you studied accounting there. I, I, so, I didn't yes. know that until today. I looked on your LinkedIn. Yes, <laughs> I. Uh, it's been a, a long winding road here, T. Uh, yeah. So I I went to Merrimack, got my business degree in accounting. Yeah, um, then. Uh, right after I graduated from Merrimack, I I went and started working at an investment banking company okay. called um, Mellon Trust, okay. and was working there for about eighteen months, and it was horrible. Yeah, I just it wasn't what I where I was meant to be. So then I started playing teaching tennis, okay. and went to uh, UNH and got my master's in elementary education. So I have two degrees. There you go. And then um, after I got my second degree, my master's, I uh, started to continue to play teach tennis, which my parents were really loving the fact that um, I had two degrees and, yeah. and were teaching tennis. <laughs> so was, how was that decision? How, how tough was that to go from accounting, probably a pretty safe, high-paying, mm-hmm. typical job, to teaching tennis, which is more you know off the beaten path, and right. going back to like your roots of... So it was interesting. So I I was working in investment banking yeah. and I was doing well with it, but I just didn't have a passion for it and I didn't really love it. And I had already been teaching tennis through college and I loved that. And so I basically started I looked I was looking for a different job because I wasn't loving what I was looking for, loving what I was doing. And so I hired a headhunter to to um find me a new job in investment banking thinking not thinking it was the job, thinking it was the company I was working for. Got it. Okay. But then while I was doing that, I also had my college coach telling me that, hey, there's a, there's also a, a, some teaching jobs, t- uh, tennis teaching jobs that you can take. So interesting enough, I interviewed for a number of different investment banking company jobs, and and then I interviewed for a tennis job, and on the same day I got two job offers. One was for a working for a really big Boston investment banking company 
two levels up from where I was, making yeah. a ton of money, wow. or taking a entry level job, tennis teaching job, at a at a really great tennis club. Okay. And so basically, I agonized over that decision for forty eight hours, and I just I realized that I I wanted to follow my heart where my passion was and. I wanted to, instead of like managing other people's money, I wanted to kind of make a difference in people's lives, and I decided to take the the the, uh, the pathway to teaching tennis. So take me to that forty-eight. That's interesting. You got on the same day those two offers. Two, an hour apart from one another. Wow. I I feel like the more I have these conversations, the more I realize there are a, a few. And it sounds cliche, but there's a few moments that seem to really shape mm-hmm. people's paths, and that seems clearly like one of the top few for mm-hmm. you. So, like, take me through that 48 hours. Were you talking to your parents? Were you mm-hmm. spending time alone? Did you call someone? Was there something, like, was there a specific moment where you realized, like, man, like, this is what I got to do? Yeah, so, I mean, like, that whole time I I, I I talked to a number of people. I talked to um, a couple mentors of mine, yeah. you know, a couple people that I really thought that were – in my corner, when it were giving me some of the best advice, yeah. and in my head, I thought I was like, "Well, I got to take this investment banking job." Yeah. But every time I went to go pick up the phone to accept the job, I put it down, and I was like, wow. "I don't really. This isn't what I want to do." But I wasn't ready to make the decision, and I agon- and I and I agonized over it, and uh, uh, you know, I was talking to the headhunter, and. She's after 24 hours. She's like, "So you're gonna accept this job, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "I need another 24 hours." And she's like, "What's your problem? Why aren't you saying yes?" And I yeah. told her, and she's like, "Listen, Adam, this opportunity doesn't come very often. You need to take this." Right. And I was like, "I will call you with my decision tomorrow." So I mean, I was I I barely slept. I barely ate. And I remember having a conversation with my dad, and and he basically gave me the go ahead. He he said, "You know what? Follow your heart." Wow, and you know, right there, I so I, I knew what I was going to do. So I called up the headhunter, and I declined that job. And you know, it was hard, yeah. and she was floored because it was a really good opportunity. And I accepted the the tennis job, and I remember hanging up that phone and just breaking down, like just all of the emotion. Yeah. And it was the just like all everything built up. But then once I broke down, got up, I, there was this big weight off my shoulder, and I was ready to move. And so, I, I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. So. And so you got into elementary education, like, part-time while you were teaching tennis, too? Or did you just got the degree, but you were teaching tennis all the time? So, again, thinking um, I needed to do something practical yeah. rather than... I mean, like, how, how many years can you teach tennis? You right. know, and so I was teaching tennis, doing what I loved... You know, I, I think right around that time I started teaching you. Yeah. Um, I was I was having I was loving what I was doing. I was making I was teaching juniors and adults and making a difference in people's lives. I was loving what I was doing, but you know I was my body was breaking down a little bit. You know I was having nagging injuries after just a few years of doing this forty hours a week. And so even though I loved what I was doing, I decided I was like, you know what, I got to be smart. I got to look out for myself. So I was like, I'm gonna go. I love teaching people, so I'm gonna go get my master's in elementary education. Yeah, and went to UNH, did uh, did a year and a half 
of get to get my master's with a full year in a fifth grade classroom. And I loved it, but I didn't love it as much as what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so I got my degree, and I've, I always felt like I had that in my, my back pocket if I, if I wanted to change. Um, but then after I got my master's, I continued towards my path um, that I was currently on. And really, I never looked back. I, I, was prom- I kept getting a little promotion, and, and then I, I got um, a promotion to be a director of tennis, running a tennis, a tennis club at, at one of the largest tennis clubs in New England. And... I've, I just basically found my, my career yeah. and you know I, I was teaching tennis but more than that I was, I, was, I was very much an integral part of a lot of people's lives in, in a lot of different ways whether it was juniors uh, showing them tennis but also giving, being there for them in, in, in their development of, of life skills you yeah. know and, and so or adults who were needing something whether it was social skill, social uh, community whether it was an escape from reality, yeah. all those different things, and so, um, I just I, and so I, I had that in my back pocket, but I just I kept going on with my career. It's funny how tennis, like, is just such a good metaphor for life. I think, um, and uh, it's whenever I'm talking to my dad because he's been playing since <laughs> you know he was really little too. Like we always like if it's a tough time, it's like man, I'm just grinding through the third set, or it's like you know I was. You know, you were comparing it, you know, I was down 5-2 and I came back in the tiebreaker. It's just yeah. like we always kind of compare it to that. And I think sports in general really have that um, that effect on kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Like when you think of, when I think about all the good qualities that I have and where I got those, it, almost all of them came from sports that came from watching people, but mostly playing or the coaches that you had or uh, the situations that you were put in. And so it just... It's just funny to me that when people didn't play sports growing up that they can't really relate to that, but it's just such a, a good metaphor for life, I think, tennis and, and all sports. Mm-hmm. Totally. I agree. I mean, I so growing up, I loved all sports. Yeah. And I and I fell in love with tennis. Yeah. The sport, the game. Um, why, why, did, why was it tennis? You know, I, I, number one, I, I loved... I, I, I loved the one-on-one. Yeah. I loved, but I also loved watching it on TV. You know, I got inspired by watching McEnroe and Connors and Agassi and Sampras and, yeah. and all those players. And I thought, and I just loved the, the battle on, on the tennis court. Yeah. I don't think there's anything like it in, in, in professional sports. One versus one. Yeah. Uh, trying to beat each other up with, with a tennis ball and a tennis racket, yeah. you know, and, and putting everything on the line and all that goes into it. I, it was always intriguing to me. And I, and I, and it was, Anytime you step on the tennis court, there is a challenge that it's all on you. You know, right. I love basketball. I love soccer. I love all those sports. Um, but there was always something that was always I, drew me to tennis. Yeah. You know, and um, but in what you what I love about tennis now as an adult is I love the sport. I love the game. I love playing still. But what I I really love is what all the tennis gives to people yeah. you know whether it's juniors the life skills you know the, I don't think there's another sport or there's very few sports out there that, that all those things are thrown at you in one match yeah. you know it, you, I don't think you can replicate that in, in another sport and those are things that will help you th- get through life yeah. it's and so it's interesting um, 
this is my dad moment to talk about my son for a second. Yeah. My, both my kids play soccer, yeah. play soccer, basketball, and, and tennis. And my kids started playing tennis, not because we I pushed them, but because they wanted to. Um, but they play tennis tournaments, and um, and you know, tennis you you have it's a unique sport where you have to hit a second serve or you lose the game or you lose the point, right. and that's a lot of pressure to put on on on, on anybody as right. if you're an adult or kids. But my kid our. My kids, you as when you were younger, you had to deal with that pressure. Right. You had to get your second serve in. Right, <laughs> you know right. that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Sometimes with all that pressure. So my my kids were playing a soccer. We're, we're on a soccer team, right. and they're playing in the elementary school championship. Yeah. And it was a tie game after a full a full game and two overtimes, and they were doing. They did a shootout, and I'm freaking out because this is a shootout for nine and ten year olds. That's crazy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure, right? So the um, the the our, the schools. My my son's best player on the team goes up to take the first penalty shot. Yeah, he's a great soccer player, phenomenal. He'll he'll play college soccer, but he got up there and he choked. Yeah, he missed the shot. Yeah, you know he'll learn from it, but that's right. but it's he he was not used to that pressure. Right now, my son is not the soccer player he is. Right, but he walks up. Puts the ball down, just buries it, and he just kicks it into a corner like it's nothing. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, well, he's he's hit a couple second serves in his life. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know that's yeah. the pressure that tennis brings that other sports don't have. So it's just one of the many things I love about tennis. Yeah, that always it always stuck out to me when I um I did I I love reading now, but I hated reading growing up. But the only book I read was Open by Andre Agassi, and I read it probably four times and my mom was like you gotta try a different book I'm like no I just I really like this one because he I think it was him that said that it like tennis is like that one-on-one it's like a boxing match but you don't have the pleasure of being able to like punch someone like you're just (laughs) stuck with yourself for so much of it and there's so much downtime you're walking in between points you have the changeovers and you're just in your own head and um it's just all on you you know Mm -hmm. if you win or lose a basketball game it's like I could have made some better passes or played better defense, but so could the guy next to me. Right. Tennis, it's like, well, I won because you know I did my best, or I lost, but I could have done better, or maybe the guy's just way better than I was. And I think it just puts a lot of like ownership on what you can do and, and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And you know, and there's things in life that you have to deal with. I mean, life is sometimes not easy, and right. you have to deal with it. Being on the tennis court, sometimes you are you're playing you're playing against somebody. That's going to bring out some emotion in you, whether they make a bad call or their antics are aren't as favorable as is or sportsmanlike as you you would want them to. Right. But you have to control yourself. You right. have to act. You have to find, figure out a way to control your emotions. And you know, I can think about times in your development, yeah. T, like where I'm like, okay, T, you have to. I mean, like you got upset, and yeah. and. We've all had those matches where we've lost because we couldn't control our emotions or we couldn't deal with the situation that we are presented with. Right. And I think those are those are really good formative learning experiences for you, for me, and what will happen with my kids. Yeah. That I think tennis brings out and and, it's, and I, I I love that book from with open too. And and do you think that growing up as a tennis player helped you to make that tough decision when you were? How old were you? Or what, like twenty three or twenty four when you 23. opted out of that, that mm-hmm. job offer mm-hmm. because you were used to those 
big, I mean, that's a big, probably the biggest decision you'd ever made at that point. That decision and the one I made a, a few months ago were probably the biggest decisions I made in my life. And yeah, I, I tennis um, has definitely given me a lot of the self-confidence, the self-awareness, um, the ability to think on my feet while under pressure and yeah. while dealing with emotions. And so tennis has given me a lot and given me a lot of skills. Yeah. Um, and sound like you you wanted to have a positive impact on people. That was really mm-hmm. the pull. Um, and you were doing not the same job, but you were at the same place teaching tennis and running the whole tennis department mm-hmm. for, give or take, 20 years, 15 years. Yep. Um, did you ever think about going back? Did you ever think about, at some point, like, all right, you know, like you said before, I can only teach tennis for so long, so, like, maybe it's time I do something else, or were you, you always locked in? So... And I, 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 in my the decision to leave investment banking, I never looked back. Yeah. Um, when I when I got to my master's, it was basically a safety net. But once I left that, I never looked back. Yeah. I I love what I do. Yeah. I love. I mean, like I'm. I, I every time I've made the decision, it's felt like the right one. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm supposed to be where I'm supposed to where I am right now, mm-hmm. and. You know, um, did I want to be a tennis pro where I was grinding out on the tennis court 40 hours a week, beating up my body? No. So I looked for a way to to continue to do what I'm doing, but in a, in a way that allowed me to do it for a longer period of time and also have a, a, big, a bigger impact on people's lives. Yeah. And so that was back then becoming a director of tennis, um, teaching, being able to teach tennis and still be able to do that but less hours while I was also managing staff and helping them with their careers yeah. um, and also managing a department and, and also being able to provide uh, tennis um, for a lot of people uh, on a bigger scale than what I was when just as an individual yeah and it you could have done that a lot of places mm-hmm. you stayed at the same place for how 21 and a half years 21 and a half years where um my generation is getting uh, bashed a lot, probably rightfully so, for job hopping and people leaving after nine months and taking five grand more and going to the next place and doing that mm-hmm. again. Um, was it, it was it a conscious decision, like, hey, I'm going to stick this out here as long as I can, or is it that you just happened to get the opportunities that you wanted there because you were doing a good job? So one of the things that um, was important to me was building a, a community of people yeah you know de- uh, developing a community of people and always being able to develop myself along the way mm-hmm. I always wanted to keep pushing myself and luckily for me I, I was in I, I that opportunity was one for that I could do both I was able to develop a really large community of people yeah. th- um, that enjoyed one another that were supporting one another um, and I also that and the, that opportunity also allowed me to grow a yeah. lot over the last twenty one and a half years. So I'm, I don't fault people at all for wanting to leave a company. Yeah. Um, if it's if it's the if it's right for them and it will help them grow. Um, I, I the only thing I would say is is like you you want to leave for the right reasons. Right. You want to if if the if the company isn't giving you the opportunity to grow anymore if it's just for an extra five grand then you may want to think about what the motivation factors are and what the opportunity that you have at hand is but if you are 
we were talking about your opportunities right now. It's it's like if you're if you're in a spot where you can continue to grow, you're giving more responsibility and you're pushing, you're being pushed. You know, five grand is not going to make you that much happier. Right. That, that type of opportunity will <clears throat> will keep you will keep you happy and long term will will benefit you. It's funny that you bring up community, and that's something that we <clears throat> talked about as we were walking around the club. And, and I do want to get into that, um, but I want to talk about community for a second because mm-hmm. it's something that you consciously made. You know, that's really the focus of, of of Spark here. And as I think back, although I didn't realize it at the time, that was if I were to say like that's the one thing that you do best is probably building the community. You know, you you taught tennis to a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, but my favorite memories were like at growing up where. Though, you know, me and all the other 10-year-olds, like, going on a trip for the, the, you know, the district or sectional tournaments or, mm-hmm. you know, having the summer where it's, you know, Friday night and you're playing the tennis match and there's, like, a cookout and, like, everyone's kind of hanging out and you, everyone gets to know each other. Um, and so what, what's the key to building community? Like, how do you do that so well? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know if there's a magic formula for, for, for me you know, it is the thing that I, 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 I care about the most. And it's what I want to give people, what I wanted to give people back then, and it's what I want to give people right now. Uh, developing community is, is, for me, is providing opportunities for people to be, uh, to be together um, and, you know, and hang out, but also pursue what they're wanting to pursue. So we'll yeah. talk about tennis for a second. You know, with tennis, I loved trying to encourage people to not only take lessons and do clinics together, but also promoted them to do to have to hang out afterwards to yeah. to be do socials, so that because you know, just going doing something on your own, you know that that can be very lonely, and also that's not going to really push you to to do great things or to meet your potential, and so for me. Um, for with with whether it's fitness or with tennis, you know, having a developing a community of people is important. How do you do that? Sorry, um, <laughs> creating. You know, here at so here at Spark, we we create areas for people to hang out. Yeah. Not only that, we're also creating. We we do a lot of things in groups. Yeah. So we have you know we have aerobic doubles or cardio tennis classes for people to work out and play tennis together we have a ton of teams where people are are playing are are playing compete together but also hang out afterwards we have round robins for people to come and play together as a group we are always we have socials for people to play come play some tennis and and have a barbecue or a drink afterwards you know those these are Though that's it's important that's an important part of what we what we do, you know. And the fitness area, it's the same thing, right. you know. It's so we're always looking for opportunities for people to come together to, um, to hang out, to train, yeah, you know that type of thing. Well, it's cool because that's, <clears throat> I mean, as important as it was when I was growing up, it's even more important now because everyone's got Instagram in front of their face all day <laughs> long, and I think people maybe it's just me, but I feel like people are more antisocial now than they used to be ironically you, enough because you yeah because you have all the you know quote-unquote social media aspects and and you can kind of use that to fill her in versus like a real human connection but when you do have those human connections like we were saying at a gym or at a dinner or an event or a charity group or something like 
you just feel good after, and it kind of reminds you of what that should be like, and that you should be doing that more frequently. So being someone that facilitates that, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of purpose behind that, right? You know, you know, and that's a really good point, and that's one of that's that is a conscious effort for us, yep. is that we want the interaction with people to be, you know, there want we want there to be interaction with people. We, you know, when when they come into the club, I want them to be able to see their tennis coach yep. and interact with their tennis coach or the, one of the tennis pros or with one of the fitness instructors or yep. with one of the CrossFit co- fit coaches, you know. And then the and because what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring a group of people together to to play tennis or to work out and that type of thing. And and those will, are natural ways of creating community. But you can't do that if you're not willing to interact and be a part of the community yourself. Right. So so, so you can't say I'm building a community and then you're sticking in this office all correct. day long. You have to go out. And that was, it's funny, I um, learned the same. That was one of the, the things I've learned the last six months in my first leadership role because I'm really good at like, you give me, like I give myself like a task or, because like, in sales, it's, you know, you, you got to make the calls, you make the emails, you get the sales and, you hit your quote. It's a, it's a you game. It's kind of like tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with leading people, it's like it's not about that. It's not about getting your tasks done. It's making sure other people are, mm-hmm. you know, feeling good and are able to do their best. And a lot of that is like personal conversations, or you know, people aren't having a good day, or you know, they don't feel confident, or you know, all the different things that come into that. And that's been you know, the the biggest piece for me. The last six months has been like, all right, you got to get yourself off of the laptop or off of doing whatever you're doing and like kind of have your eye on everything and, and make sure everyone's and build that own community even though it's it's a lot smaller yeah I, you know in your job now it's you're not just in front of a laptop or selling selling you you're in the relationship business but also with your staff right you know and so one of the things that i learned and what i love about what i do is that I'm in the relationship business. Yeah. You know, I'm interacting and around people all the time. And yes, that, I mean, I love that. Um, but that's, I, 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 we, I won't be able to do what I want to do, which is ultimately have an impact, a positive impact on people's lives if I'm in an office. Right. If I'm in the computer. I mean, it's a necessary evil sometimes, but right. but, but the, a lot of my times I, you have to be out, out with, with everybody and interacting. So how do you balance that with, um, I don't know if you, what your percentage of extroverted and introverted is, but how do you balance that with like taking that time to, you know, kind of peel back a little bit and like, you know, refill up your, your cup and like get your head straight versus like if you're talking to people for 15 hours or 12 hours a day, that's, it's draining day after day. So luckily for me, I am an extrovert. I love being around people. I mean, like, you know, I... Don't I, I don't I mean for me my happy places are when I'm around people. Right. I don't I don't necessarily need my quiet time. Um, so I don't have to rejuvenate too much. If I do need it, I'll go for a long run. Yeah. You know I'll go I'll go for a run and to be by myself to clear my head to burn off some energy whatever whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I'll play with my kids. Yeah. You know those are those are the times where I'm I'm those are the times that I need. Yeah. To, to be away when I'm when I need to be away from people, it's typically because I need to be with my kids. Yeah. So I I, I got so I have some natural um, times in my life where I love what I do. I love being around people, 
but I also love fitness. So going for a long run re- rejuvenates me, but right. I also love and need to be around my kids. So that gives me some time, just some quiet time with them. Yeah. So let's take a pivot to what you're doing now. We've, mm-hmm. we've touched on a little bit with Spark, but um, you, know, you went out on, I'd, I'd say on your own, you obviously have a team behind you mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a family decision, all that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. can you walk me through what that process was like from maybe like a little bug in your head of you want to do something on your own to now we're in this beautiful facility and things are moving and you've been, you know, the doors have been open for a month or so. Yeah. Um, so like we, like we said, I was at essentially my dream job. Yeah. I was, I was at a big fitness and tennis club in charge of running tennis, doing really, really well. Um, had a great staff, had a great community of people around me. And I got to a point where I started to get this internal pull to, to do something else, yeah. you know, which meant a couple of things to me. One of them meant that I just, they were, I, I wasn't convinced that I was where I should be anymore, mm. but I also wasn't convinced that I was being, I was continuing to grow for me. I'm, I always want to continue to grow in some yeah. way or another. And so some things, some things happened and. We um, the club that I was at, they had a massive fire, and yeah. so there was some transition where we had to go to a temporary facility. And during that time, I was doing what I, I love to do. I was communi- keeping the community together, teaching tennis, um, keeping that community together. But I also started to think about other opportunities and avenues for me. And there was and the, the pull. The longer it went, the pull got stronger and stronger. Yeah. And then this opportunity came about. And, um, and I just saw this opening up my new club, a new club as an opportunity to continue what my passion was, which was to have an impact on people's, people's lives through fitness and tennis and also to push myself, you know, to give my, to continue to grow as a person and in in my professional life, um, and it took a little while to get my wife on board with it. Yeah. She, my wife is um, uh, risk averse yeah. and anti-change. So <laughs> <laughs> she had been at the same club with me for 20 years. So yeah. this was a big thing for her. And whereas I, I might be a little more of a risk taker, even though I was at the same club for 21 and a half years, um, it, we, we eventually agreed that this was the right thing for me and yeah. we pulled the trigger. Um was there a moment on that decision where it like similar to that 48 hour span, you know, 20 years before? For me, yes. Yeah. For me, yes. For us, uh no, it was me basically breaking her down. <laughs> <laughs> so, I knew what I wanted to do yeah, yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Um and but she realized that I was no longer as happy as I was doing what I was doing where I was doing it. Yeah. And so even though she was content and happy um she she saw that this opportunity was a good opportunity and that this is something that i needed to do and that we needed to do and um you know eventually she was like okay let's do it you know and so i think you that for her for me it was like this right i I just realized it and i and i went i was going to go after it and for her it was more it was more over time yeah but you know we um you know, about six months ago, we 
came to the conclusion that we were going to open up this, this new club, which is now called Spark Fitness and Tennis Club. Yeah. And, you know, we told our our employer that we were what we were doing and I I've been planning this ever since yeah what, what's been the toughest part of the whole the move you know taking the leap the the actual launching and now you've been open for a month like what's or maybe what's one tough part that you didn't necessarily expect well the I, the toughest part was <laughs> saying goodbye yeah. the toughest part was closing the door yeah. um you know you you do something for 20 you put your heart and soul into something for 21 years yeah. um and you make emotional connections with people um uh, and you and that was very hard that that i underestimate i knew it was going to be hard and i underestimated how hard it was yeah. um so but you know the people that care about you um that truly care about you they were and there was a lot of them were have have been supportive of me, yeah. even though people some people were unhappy that I was leaving because they didn't want me to leave. Right. Um, they were very happy for me and supportive of me, and it's been really it, and those relationships continue. Yeah. So that was one of the things. The other ones, you know, this was uncharted territory for me. I was taking I was taking a big leap. Right. I never started my own company. Right. I I had never put together a business plan yeah. or a financial forecast. Or, or getting funding, or um, ordering fitness equipment, or, or, um, you know. But it was, you know, once I made the decision, and uh, it's been just taking one step at a time, and and the pull, it, it hasn't been as difficult as making that making the decision just to go. So how do you learn how to even do all all that stuff? Mm. Um, I am smart enough to know to surround myself with really good people. Yeah, you know, and um, and I I I, I think that's the, the most common theme um, that I have going for me, and I'm and I'm blessed to have that those types of people around me. So um, I have, uh, you know, I I have a mentor or mentors. But I have I had some, um, a cousin of mine who is a um, an entrepreneur. He started up a number of different startups and yeah. been very successful at it. Um, has been mentoring me from in my professional for over two years now. Yeah. But he has gone through this process yeah. and has been coaching me along. And I've also have had other people that have been doing it also in other forms. And so I've been able to. Um, surround myself with good people to help me along and when I don't know what I'm doing and there's been a plenty of times when I don't know what I'm doing yeah. I've been able to talk it through and um and get, and get some help you know I, I had the vision so like for me my background is tennis and fitness and right. so I, I knew what I wanted I knew what the business plan was going to be I, I and but it was the actual starting of the business the creation of the business plan you know that I needed a lot of help with but you know, for so my one piece of advice is surround yourself with really smart, good people. Yeah, um, and that speaks to also that you have you know some of the folks that are working here that you know you've known for a long time too, right? It's part of that community that um, if you build that up with great people, you know you you continue to surround yourself with them and people mm-hmm. that you've meet, met from different places are now helping you out here and, and mm-hmm. helping build the build the mission of, of of Spark as well. Yeah, you know it's. 
so there's there's a lot of things that I admire in people, and one of the things that I really you know I really am drawn to and I, I admire are when people are really pa- they, they they come they're passionate about yeah. what they do. They yeah. love what they do, but they're passionate about it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that I have some passion for what I do, um, and and what I love about who the people that are here is they are passionate about what they are doing. Um, they're, you know, th- our fitness instructors are amazing. And yeah. they, but they, what makes them amazing is not only the, the quality of the person that they are, but as far as professionals go, that they bring a, an energy and a passion to what they do um, every single day. Yeah. And, and it's inspiring and it's contagious. They, lo- they, they love fitness. They love in- helping people on their fitness journey. And it's, it's really cool to be around. I have probably, um, you know, our operations manager here is, she is not only passionate about the fitness industry and what we're trying to do here, she is as organized and professional as anyone I've ever met before. Yeah. You know, and just a high quality person. Our director of tennis. Shout out to Evan Seidman. Shout out to Evan. <laughs> um, loves people. Yeah. He just loves people. He, he comes in. Everybody loves Evan. He's yeah. a nice guy. And he is, you know, he. you can tell that he just loves being around people and making a difference in people's lives. And and what we're doing here is is with those with that foundation of leadership here it's just kind of carried forward and so again i've just surrounded myself with really really exceptional people yeah so how do you um because now that it's your own club mm-hmm. you have um all of the, the the tangible things you need to track like you're talking about financial forecasts <laughs> and obviously you know you're the one that's you know running the show and making sure that you can pay the bills and everything like that mm-hmm. and at the same time you know your best asset or one of your best assets is is the people and it's the community and it's like the feeling that your members get when they're all doing a class together and they reach a new goal or you know maybe afterwards they meet someone and they become friends and they start to form these relationships Mm -hmm. like so how do you um or or how difficult is it do you think to match uh make sure you're hitting those you know numbers that you have to hit while also like keeping your eye on what's most important which is building the community right because i think a lot of places not just fitness uh in the fitness world but i think a lot of you can think of like restaurants you can think of like a lot of different places where they sacrifice like the good feeling you get i feel like because they want to get that extra few dollars out of someone you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so it's been basically i have to uh put my money where my mouth is I, i mean like i am a i believe that if we stick to our our mission statements stick to our ideals focus in on growing a community um focus in on providing a good a good service to people focusing on helping people along their fitness journeys or whatever journey they are that we will be successful you know i've obviously i can't have my head in my sand in the sand and 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 not look at the books and and try to and keep keep us um afloat um, that because that's important, but all of the decisions that I made were making, um, you know, operationally or financially, I is how does that impact what our mission is for helping people 
um, um, in their journeys or how, how are we doing? Is, will this help or hurt our development of, of our community? Yeah. And so, so far, and we're young, we're two months right. into this, <laughs> ask me in six months. Right. Um, we're, we're, we're st- our decisions are being made right now um, based on, on, on the, the, our mission and our ideals. You, so you've talked about um, you've used the word journey a few times and mm-hmm. talking specifically about like a fitness journey of, yeah. and I like the way I like the sound of that and the thought of that that it's not you're not just trying to have like one good workout and then like go back to the couch for six months or like eat one salad and then you know go eat cheeseburgers the rest of the year it's like you're on your journey wherever you are on that you're just trying to get a little bit better or a little healthier mm-hmm. or a little more flexible or stronger right. or whatever um, can you Speak to like what your fitness philosophy is, um, if you have one, or like what the if it's for the club or the way that you view like a fitness journey and how people can right. go through that. You know, it's just like it, a journey is like anything else. It, you're just you're you're not at the beginning and you're not at the end, yeah. and so you you're you're really where you're at. Right. And so there there are a lot of people that will that say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm too out of shape to do CrossFit or I'm too out of shape to play tennis. I yeah. need to get in better shape. I'll do that once I'm, I, once yeah, I, yeah. once I get in better shape, you know, and you know, what we want to do here is wherever you're at, wherever you're at, whether if you're in the quote unquote worst shape of your life right. or if you are plateaued and you've been working out for a while, but you just can't lose those extra 20 pounds right. um, or if you are an, an athlete that wants to get faster or, or stronger or if you're an elite athlete that's that just needs more motivation anywhere you wherever you're at we want to help you get to where your goal is yeah you know and so you know I, I'll, I'm gonna tell you an, a story of my, my cousin okay the one I was talking about before um, he he loves he he would love love food he yeah. and he was really he wanted to be he used to do triathlons but as we got older as we get more stressed out we we focus less on our on on our physical health and we we focus in on our careers or or whatever's going on in life and yeah. and so he gained a hundred pounds yeah you know and so and he was really wanting to change that but he didn't he couldn't figure out how to do that and so while he was giving me business advice i was trying to get him to give him some fitness or nutrition advice and you know and nothing was clicking he i mean nothing was clicking and so he would try to go to the gym and he would get discouraged and not go to the gym for the next two weeks in, in that type of thing and so what ended up happening was was like after about six months of this where he we were we weren't getting anywhere i said will you please go try just try crossfit yeah. and he's like no I, i'm not going to do crossfit he's he already turned me down a number of times he's like they just i'm not in good enough shape and all they want is good athletes i'm yeah. like no they don't i was like what they want are people they want to make a difference in people's lives right most fit trainers i know most uh, people that are in the fitness world they don't they, they're not looking to take a games athlete to a higher games athlete per person right. they want they want to make a difference in people's lives yeah so i'm like go in there give it a try and if you don't like it then just move on and so he he went there and the the coach 
got him through his first workout. Yeah. And he's like, he had a good enough time where he felt like he, he made it through an hour of CrossFit. He's like, oh, okay, I think I can do this again. Yeah. And so he went the next day. And then he, and he started to get with the nutrition uh, um, person, nutritionist. And, um, and he calls me up. He's like, Adam, I think I like CrossFit. <laughs> I was like, that's great. Yeah. Nine months later, he lost 80 pounds. Wow. You know, and so, um, I mean, he did it through nutrition right. and through fitness. And both are typically tied in. You know, and so, you know, so for me, that's what this is all about. This yeah. is wherever you are, you know, let's, I want, I think with, I would like us to be a place where you can achieve what your goals are. Right. He is 20 pounds away from his personal goal. Right. But after nine months, I'd say that's, that's, amazing. that's yeah. amazing. You know, and so I, that's what, that's what we're all about. We're trying to get people to their goals and wherever they're, wherever they are in their journey, we want to help them keep going to, in a, to a positive way. Yeah. And, and I think it's super interesting, all of the, the science and, and research that's come out, um, I think fairly recently in the last, you know, decade or so about like, you know, how the body affects the mind too. Like mm. when you are working out in whatever capacity, even if it's, you know, all you can do is go for, you know, a, a jog to start or, you know, wherever you, wherever you start, you start eating a little bit healthier, um, that you start to think a little clearer and you're in a little bit of a better mood and you might sleep better. And it's all this cycle that can either go in a positive or a negative direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I bet if we, if we had your cousin here and, and asked him in the last nine months, he's probably felt a lot better and maybe a totally. little more energy and, you know, was, Actually, focusing on your health actually probably also helped him on his business side or his relationships or some of the other things that he's got going on. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I won't speak for him, but I'm sure that's the case. And I'm, yeah. but I, because I also know that's been the case for me. Yeah. And I know that's been the case for many people that I've had conversations with. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know. Um, so what would you? So for that person that might be like, maybe they're intimidated to get into the gym, whether it's a CrossFit gym or a regular gym or afraid to you know put on workout clothes or you know they just don't think that they're going to feel good I was actually with one of my buddies um just seeing some friends while I'm on the east coast this week and he was um and he played college sports you know five years ago and Mm -hmm. has not really let himself go too much but hasn't really worked out at all in the last few years just saying like man like I want to go but I don't I don't want to show up in the gym like people are gonna you know laugh at me or you know they're gonna like I gotta go when no one's there at 9 p.m. or something so do you have any words for someone like that that's just like that first step in trying to get there? Um, just walk through the door. Just yeah. get in the door. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, what's in your head is not what reality is. Everybody that's, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people that are here yeah. are in the, are, 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 are all are on their own fitness journey right. and they want to help people um, they want to support people to do that no one's no one's really judging you yeah you know and so the best advice I, I could I can give people is just to w- walk through that door and do something you know if you were if you're if you're near um, a, a crossfit or an orange theory go to one of those places right they want you to they want to make a difference in your lives yeah just go there just yeah. walk through the door take the plunge 
I, I, I really don't know anybody that said like, man, I wish I didn't do that workout. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, I didn't, I wish I didn't just work out for that, that, that hour. You know, I, so I listen, I'm, I, I understand like some days you just don't feel like doing it. Right. But most of the battle is just getting, getting yourself there. And then once you're there, just, you, you'll, you'll get that workout and you'll feel much better for it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you live by any philosophy or do you follow a certain, um, you know, do you have like a favorite quote that you think of often or um, any, any, you know, leader that you have kind of followed in their path or maybe it's an athlete or maybe it's a friend or family member that you've kind of used as like a, your guide because you're, I mean, you built such a community. So I imagine that you might have followed, you might have seen that from somewhere and taken that or. I'm sure subconsciously there are. I, I, like I said to you before, I, I, I'm drawn by by people that have a passion for whatever they do. Yeah. You can and you can just tell it tell that. I'm also drawn with pe- to people that are that are drawn their their passion is to help others. Yeah. You know, like so when I was younger, you know, somebody that I remember even younger than you are right now was Mother Teresa. Okay. You know, just somebody somebody humble like that whose life life was she sacrificed everything in her life to go to India, Calcutta, right. and to to help the sick. Yeah. You know, and just like if you and just you read different quotes of hers, it, you're just like, how can somebody be that self-sacrificing and that, that loving? You know, and I and um, you know, but there's you don't have to go to that extreme. There's many other there's many other people that have a similar have a passion towards helping people and. Um, so not there's not anybody I can think of, but I I often am, am, am drawn to admire by people that are that are passionate like that. Yeah, I didn't know we we're gonna get deep into Mother Teresa, but here we there are. we go. I'm sorry. Is that <laughs> does your podcast normally not quote uh, Mother Teresa? No, I think this is the first one. I think <laughs> there you this go. Is the first one. There you go. It's okay. Um, so I saw well, a couple of years ago you won the uh, the I might be butchering the name here, but the Joseph D. Dietz, Dietz Award yeah. for the person that. Has done the most for New England tennis. Mm-hmm. What well, What do you have to say about that? I <laughs> That's amazing. yeah no I was I was honored. I mean yeah. like it, you know I got there, there that was a really really nice award um, that you know that's I think it just speaks to you know what what myself and what the people that I'm surrounded by have done how yeah. we've impacted tennis. Like I said before, you know, I you know, I feel like we've done some done some really good things for for tennis. Um but it wasn't just me, it's it's been my my staff, the people that have uh, that have been around me. And you know, I'm really proud of of what we've accomplished, but I'm also uh really proud of that award because that, that's a that's being given the award for someone to um, that's done the most to grow the game of tennis in New England is, um, I, I I was I was really touched by that. Yeah. So. But it, it's, but I do think it's just a testament to what uh, what the, the community that we created, yeah. the amount of amount of people that have been impacted by tennis and what, what what we've done, you know. And so I just think that that's what that is. And it's fun. I remember. What was it? It was like two years ago or three years ago. Yeah, um, yeah, two, but three years ago now. I think I remember you shared it on. You or someone shared it on Facebook, and there's a bunch of congratulations and a lot of the comments. And 
I was just reading through them, and it was like all these names of people that I remembered from being at the club, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and that just speaks to the community, right? It's the people mm -hmm. that, um, you know, have just been around for so long, or they were around back in the day, and, you know, you have made an impact on them, and, and mm -hmm. I remembered that. So I thought I, that was cool. Yeah. I, so honestly, I mean, that is when I went with when that happened or when I, I, I left my other club, you know, I, I what I love is I love seeing people grow and, and develop. I mean, I, I love seeing what you do. Yeah. It's great to see your growth and, and see what you achieve. And yeah. and I can't wait to see what else you do in your life. And um and but there are many many others that I I, I I've been fortunate enough to be a, um, a part of their lives and they've been a part of mine, yeah. um, and so I mean I think that's that's what I love what I'm do, what I do you know and and that's really and that's the the reward for me yeah. and truthfully and honestly it's um, I love the fact right now T I'm sitting next to you across <laughs> the table from you and you're interviewing me for your podcast <laughs> I mean like in ten years ago. Uh, I, we were we were playing tennis on the tennis court and and I and I was coaching you and I um, and it's just it's very it's very cool for me to be able to to sit here and and do the be this be this at this table with you right now yeah so it's awesome it's awesome um, so my maybe last question depending on <laughs> on what you say <laughs> but um, you know a lot of people that that listen you know the show's geared towards Millennials although people of all ages listen but a lot of them are around my age and um, I, I've seen some comparison I read it somewhere to like it's kind of like you just go out into like you're in like kind of like a dark tunnel when you're in your early mid-20s where you're in school your whole life and you're kind of told like you know take this test or you know go to this practice for tennis and you're kind of and then you're on your own. You've got to kind of figure things out, and that makes it interesting and fun, but it can be tough. And so I know there's a lot of people that listen to a show like this that are stuck, and they might be in that place like you were, you know, 20-something years ago when you're making those decisions or not feeling right. So coming from someone that's been through that, you know, once or, or you had, you know, a few different times where you, you've made some pretty big decisions, um, do you have any words of, of wisdom for someone in the, that situation, I my advice, um, I guess, would be to to live out your passion, yeah. to to follow your heart and attack it with as much energy as you possibly can. Uh, doing something that you think you should be doing, yeah. but that you don't really love it, is you're just you're just going to burn yourself out, and you're going to live. Um, you're going to go to work every single day waiting for the weekend yeah. and that's no way of living life you know you want to you want to love what you do you want to love the what what your um uh the people that you're around yeah. and and so because if you feel dead inside at five days five out of the seven days of the week um that's, that's not how you live that, that's no way to live yeah so i i mean like the path that i chose Probably I would probably be making more money. I would probably be um, have a bigger house, yeah. a nicer car. Yeah. But um, I feel like I'm a I'm a much happier person. I'm living the life I, sh I should be living, and I'm enjoying most of my days. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be the advice I give. That's awesome. Well, um, where can we um, find more about Spark? 
online. It's a beautiful club. You just gave me the tour of it. We got just state of the art facility. <laughs> seriously, I mean across the board with the gym, the CrossFit, the tennis, the yoga studio. Um, what else am I missing? There's the group classes. There's yeah. the um, the spinning. Yep. Um, I think you I got it all. I think I got it all. Not to mention um, a, a really great uh, community of people. Great community of people. Um, so where? Um, where can we find out more about Spark, either online you, or social media or anything? Um, so you can catch the, catch us at websites is uh, sparkfitnessandtennis.com. Yep. You can also get us at andovercrossfit.com. Uh, social media is, our handle is sparkfitnessma. <laughs> so I think it's sparkfitnessma. That's what I think it is, so. Cool. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's where you can, that's where you can catch us. If you're in Massachusetts, come on by. Come on by. We'll we'll link um link all of that in the show notes as well. But Adam, it's been awesome, man. Thank, Thank you, T. It's been great. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much for listening to that episode. If you want to hear more, you can find me at Tommy Tahoe on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find MillennialMomentum.net for more blogs, show notes podcast videos, etc. Thanks so much for listening. You can also, please, if you find value, just give uh, go over to iTunes, give the podcast just a quick subscribe, five-star review. It would mean the world to me. Thanks so much. Have a great day.